Welcome to the July 2023 episode of RCV Clips, our podcast about all things ranked choice voting. I'm Kelly Sechrist. And I'm Chris Hughes. We're the hosts of RCV Clips. Today, we'll be talking about RCVRC's travels this year and how that impacts our work. We just got back from Chicago last week and are headed to Austin later this week. Kelly, how are you holding up with all of our travel? Well, we were talking earlier, I really need to do laundry so that I can get packed again um, to head out in about 36 hours. (laughs) Seems like a lot. (laughs) How about you? Uh, same. It's, it can feel a little bit, a little bit like a whirlwind, (laughs) especially because last week I had a cold, flew to Chicago on Wednesday, and then just stayed in the hotel room Wednesday and Thursday trying to not have a cold so I could go to the conference. (laughs) And that's why I sound a little scratchy today. (laughs) Because we did get to go to the conference. We're going to talk about that in a minute and share a little bit about what we did there. And Chicago was fabulous. Uh, Good food, good city. Everybody's so nice there. That's one of the fun parts about doing all this travel is we're getting to meet people all over the U.S. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. It's always, I feel like a broken record at this point saying this, but meeting people in person is so much different from meeting them on a Zoom call or on the phone. Uh, And it just feels so much easier to build relationships with election administrators, uh, with advocates, people working on ranked choice voting, with anyone you meet. It's just suddenly you have more of a connection with them when you meet them in person and can trade information and and just I feel like I learn a lot more too meeting people in person and that's what's been so valuable about all the travel we've done the last few months definitely and you know while working from home is really a great perk of this job you know our colleagues and our organization it's nice that we're able to get together and talk and plan and do those things in person I always feel like people trust you more once they meet you in person you you, know, you actually shake their hand you actually have a meal together or a drink um, it, it just changes the playing field and changes the dynamic for sure so I'm sure our listeners are curious why why do we do this this travel other than meeting people and learning? What, what are some of the goals that we have when we do this? A couple things, right? We've been tabling at a lot of conferences, mostly about RCTAB, our open source RCV software, just to teach people what it is, teach people how it's being used in the US and make it clear, like, even if your voting system doesn't have a full suite of RCV features, RCTAB can sort of help you get there. But also tabling generally about our resources and the support we're available to provide to ranked choice voting jurisdictions to help them not have to reinvent the wheel to make sure that they're able to run successful ranked choice voting elections. And, you know, we're also getting the chance to do a bunch of panels and presentations and I think strike up really interesting conversations and and get the chance to just share our expertise with people, be the election administrators or policymakers or advocates. And I think that all of those things are what make this travel, aside from the travel itself, which I think is fun, actually getting out in the world and getting to show, you know, we've spent years now studying ranked choice voting elections, understanding them and supporting them. And it's great to go out and, you know, demonstrate and share our expertise. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I think once we start to form these relationships, we become more of a trusted messenger and less of just a repository for information. You know, sometimes it's if if they don't know who you are, they haven't met you in person. Oh, they're just somebody that's not really in the field. But once they meet us, realize that, you know, there's former election administrators, there's subject matter experts, that we have a lot of resources to help make their job easier, really changes everything. Yeah. Well, so with that said, let's go back to the start of the year. We attended several conferences and spent time with county officials and state elections leaders at the National Association of Counties, NACO, and NASAD, the National Association of State Election Directors, Winter Conferences. Kelly, you were at those meetings, right? 
Um, yes, actually, Rosemary, our executive director, and I went to the joint meeting of NACO and NASED in the winter. They do the meeting at the same time. The sessions are a little bit different, so we each took one on. I actually went to the NACO side of the of the meeting, spent a lot of time learning about election administration, um, county operations, which is helpful for us to, to know what's going on in the field as we're working with election administrators, and met some key people who work in local elections, which, you know, again, it's back to those relationships. I think we're going to be a broken record in this episode saying that over and over and over again, but it's really important to our culture as a staff, our values as a staff, and also the relationships and the ability to help election administrators in the field. We also attended EVN. I'll let you kind of tell a little bit about what that stands for and what that means. Um, I went with you and Ryan, our policy department, our comms department together. What are some of the highlights of that conference? Yeah. So EVN, I feel like we live in a world of acronyms, uh, and it's just yet another one to define for people. EVN stands for the Election Verification Network, and it's a group of subject matter experts in election technology and election security who come together every year for their annual conference, generally in the spring, sometime in March, to talk about you know the latest topics in election security and election integrity. It's a really, I always find it to be a really interesting and really intense conference. There's a ton of valuable information presented every year. We One of their big focuses, of course, is on post-election tabulation audits. So things like risk limiting audits, but they're also thinking about sort of all the technology used in elections today and how to make sure that that technology is trustworthy, how to make sure that people can actually have faith in the results of their elections. And I think one thing that's really interesting that's come up recently is, you know, there's some people out there who are attacking election results in bad faith and are trying to undermine faith in democracy. And that's what makes these conversations so valuable and so important because they, the premise is like, the Election Verification Network wants to be able to trust the results of elections, but they have a sort of healthy amount of skepticism about technology because technology can be compromised. Because it touches so many different aspects of our elections, it can have really big effects if one piece of technology is compromised. So they're really serious about defending democracy, but you know, want to criticize it <laughs> and criticize the tools we use to run it so that we can trust our the results of our elections. And so navigating that conversation can be really interesting. Um, and I'd just, just say overall, I always learn a ton and meet a lot of like brilliant, interesting people at that conference because it's election administrators, people who are on the ground running elections, but it's also academics, people who study cybersecurity and political science bringing their expertise to bear on this subject. It's advocates, people from Verified Voting and the Brennan Center who are working to get risk limiting audits and uh, stronger election security standards put in place in states. It's all sorts of people. It's reporters who are telling the public about this work. It's, it's a really interesting mix of people sharing their expertise every year. Yeah, I think you're, you sort of nailed something on the head that, you know, when we come together with these groups of subject matter experts, people on the ground, media, we can hash out the issues and, and really take a look at what what de- what will work the best. And, and I think that's one of the valuable things about coming together with people from all different parts of the research and field work and election administration, um, which is also something we love about these trips because we get to bring our staff together <laughs> and have meals and have karaoke sometimes, which was lots of fun. Chris and I both love that. But we also did a really cool thing in D.C. this year. So right around EVN time. Can you tell everybody about Protect the Win, Chris? Absolutely. Yeah. So Protect the Win, we talked about it 
a bit about it on this podcast already. On Lynn and I recorded an episode in the spring, but we launched it the week before EVN. So it was a very intense couple of weeks in March this year. But what we did, right, was we got together a bunch of different ranked choice voting experts in a room in downtown DC at the New America Foundation, which is just around the corner from the White House. It felt very fancy to talk about the Protect the Win project. It was really gratifying to get that event together. We had three panels and each of those panels, you know, they covered the political defense of ranked choice voting. They covered legal defense of ranked choice voting. They talked about communications and voter education and they talked about technical implementation, what it takes behind the scenes to run a ranked choice voting election for the first time, for the 10th time, what have you. And it was great because we got together a bunch of Ranked choice voting advocates, uh, ranked choice voting policy experts, ranked choice voting election administrators in one room to talk about, you know, what happens after you've won. Once you've caught the car, what next? (laughs) Um, And it was great uh, just to see all those conversations happening, have people from Fair Vote and Represent Us and the city of Minneapolis and the state of Virginia and Whitney from the Center for Civic Design, Whitney and Emma, um, all these people who have been working with for a long time, but get everybody together in one place to talk about this work of implementation. It was uh, really fun. Yeah, it definitely was. And we had over 100 people, part virtually, part in person at the event. Um, One kind of fun thing for me is, you know, I do all the fundraising and communications here at the Resource Center, but because we're remote, because we're, we we don't have a central location, not as much event planning as I'm used to. So it's nice to pull out the event planning hat and help put that together. So hopefully we can continue to do some events and things like that in the future. I think it can be really helpful um, in our work and in the advocacy work. We also go to these conferences because we really like to learn. So the development department uh, includes Sam Prescott and me. We went down to New Orleans in April and met up with a bunch of other fundraisers from around the nation, the Association of Fundraising Professionals Conference. It's a great place for us to rejuvenate. Fundraising's hard. So you need to be around other professionals who are doing that every day. It gave us an opportunity to learn about things like major donor gifts, planned giving, social media, even how we can better use those tools in order to fundraise. And also connected us with a lot of the vendors that, you know, help us get our message out. Um, we have a great vendor that does our direct mailing for us. And we met them a couple of years ago at AFP and they continue to work with us and, and refine what our message and what we're doing. Hey, and I just want to kind of throw it out there, too, that we always are asking for donations and want to make sure that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, we would love to have your support. Definitely go to rcdresources.org backslash donate if you want to do a donation. Man, always on message. Always, (laughs) always always got to be asking. Um, Well, this is an abrupt topic change, but one other thing we traveled for this year was our team retreat. We flew to... Utah flew into Salt Lake City in May to do, what was it, our first ever in-person team retreat? We did a team and board retreat last year, but this was the first time it was just staff. Yeah, first time we've ever done that. Yeah. And I think that was really fun because we were all remote. We don't get to spend a lot of time together individually and especially we don't get to spend a lot of time together, all of us in one place. So that was really nice to (laughs) not be sitting behind a Zoom screen and actually like have an in-person human conversation with, with everybody and spend time both like, you know, 
doing strategic work, thinking about how the how our organization is going to grow and the projects we're going to focus on the next few years, but also hang out and play ping pong and go on walks around the like reservoir the Airbnb was on. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. I'm curious, Kelly, what what would what are your highlights from the team retreat? Well, I would definitely have to say sharing meals. I definitely love to cook. So I, I enjoy being a, like doing that with everybody else and working together to put the meals together. We did sort of have a funny thing happen when we rented the Airbnb. We thought it was in Park City. And we're like, great, we're going to be near restaurants and grocery stores. Turns out it was about 25 miles from Park City in a very small town that did not even have an open convenience store in the evening. Worked out just fine. But every time we told someone in Utah where we were staying, they're like, oh, wow, how did you end up there? Um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was a bit of bait and switch going yeah, on with that list. <laughs> but the house was wonderful. It was the perfect size for us. We also did some team activities every night. We did s'mores one night around the fire. We were able to do some more karaoke. I know I keep bringing that back up, but that's a team favorite. Well, for some of us, some some people would rather us do something else as a team favorite. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we definitely relish the time that we have together. And the other thing I really loved, we had a great facilitator and her name's Mary Krista Smith. She's from Park City, although she's actually just, they just are moving to Hawaii actually this week. But she was really able to put some really good backbone behind our workflow, behind the roles that we take on staff. You know, we're a very small staff. There's only under 10 of us. And we do have to jump in and do a lot of things together sometimes. But having some workflow, having some defined roles can be really helpful in getting things done more efficiently and, and you know, keeping us from getting burned out. Because if we're always feeling underwater and we're always feeling like we can't get you know, everything done in a day, then you do, I think you do face burnout. So, and it was sort of like part therapy session, part work session <laughs> because of the way she approached it. So um, I really appreciated that. Again, you know, like I mentioned before, fundraising can be difficult work, but you know, nonprofit generally, you're passionate about your work, but you also need to rest. So um, she was able to give us some guidance around that, which is helpful. Yeah. Well, and the next trip uh, was when you flew to Washington, right? For the Washington State Auditors Conference. Yes. And I had never been to Washington State before, even though I have an aunt that lives out there, but went to Spokane. It was absolutely gorgeous. Big, you know, beautiful river right through the middle of the city. And I was able to meet with their county auditors who are actually their election officials as well. They have some other jobs that they have to do. And, and, you know, they, I was, I had a table there with a lot of information. And since King County will be doing some implementation in the future, we had a lot of folks from there stop by the table, asking questions. They would come back by. We had a really great RCV candy election for which Reese Cups won. So Reese Cups have now been disqualified from this election process. They're too successful. They're too successful. Um, they've been appointed to something else. They've been appointed to office. They're so <laughs> they've been appointed. <laughs> We're dangerously successful candidate. Dangerously yeah. successful. But, you know, it, it was it was a good opportunity also for me to be with the Fairbairn Washington folks, because one of the things that we strive to do is work hand in hand with the advocacy side so that they are looking at implementation from the very beginning. They want to make sure that things are be able to be implemented in the way that they are advocating for the RCV elections. So also ate some good food there. I always seem to find the good restaurants when I go to these cities. So that, that's one of the fun sort of scavenger hunt kind of things to do there. <laughs> well, and so we've actually, we've had a couple presentations actually to the Washington State Association of County Auditors. One thing we really like to do, right, is 
if there's space on an agenda, we love putting together a presentation with just us at the front of the room or especially putting together a panel of ranked choice voting experts, ranked choice voting election administrators to talk about ranked choice voting and what it takes to run an RCD election. And we actually got the chance to do that at IGO, which was the next trip we took in Fort Worth in like mid-June. It was so hot there. So hot, so hot. <laughs> oh, man, well, over 100 every day. Walking outside was uh, an adventure. We had put together this panel that we were really excited about. I was planning to moderate Josh Daniels from Utah County, the former clerk there who has run a bunch of ranches voting elections. Amanda Lopez Askin from Las Cruces, New Mexico, which are from Doña Ana County, New Mexico, which runs Las Cruces's ranches voting elections. And Emily Cook from the Maine Secretary of State's office, which of course runs Maine's RCD elections. And we were all going to have a conversation about, you know, at the county level, at the state level, what do you do as an election official to make ranches voting elections? happen. Unfortunately, because of the heat, and I think because of some crazy storms, uh, too, in the Northeast, Emily's flight got canceled the day before the panel. Um, so we had to scramble a little bit at the last minute. Um, and I wound up sliding onto the panel, Kelly wound up moderating. And I'm, I think one thing I'm proud of with that panel is how effectively we managed to like make that pivot in under 12 hours and and like managed to still have a really successful panel and a really interesting and fruitful discussion. We heard a lot of great feedback from people that were like, oh, you, I sort of finally have a direction to look at when I'm thinking about running a ranked choice voting election because IGO is full of election administrators from across the country who are some of the most like innovative and excited and energetic folks. And, but a lot of them, you know, came up to our table or came to our our panel being like, how do I figure out how to do this? And I think that just reinforces what we're talking about, like showing up at these conferences, having these panels and presentations makes clear to people like there are resources out there for you if you're running a ranked choice voting election to help you figure out how you do it locally. And and so that was a really fun thing to get to do and and gratifying that people found it so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I do have to say is it's a good thing they sent Chris and Kelly to this conference because we both love the microphone. So we didn't mind having to shuffle around a little bit. (laughs) Oh, we also had a table at IGO. The one thing I really loved about that particular conference is one, you know, the folks that go to IGO are very innovative. They're very forward thinking, very open minded. I felt like we were able to have some really good conversations about what it means to implement a ranked choice voting election, even with states, you know, folks from states that are not yet there. So I think that's a that's important because usually if your state's not yet to RCV, you walk by our table with your head turned the other way and try not to make eye contact, you know, unless we have a really good pens out and then you'll just grab a pen and go. So, you know, everyone seemed to be interested in coming by. Um, but what I really loved is on the last day of the conference, the last day of our tabling, the conference organized a poker game. I'm putting air quotes around that where they had groups of election folks. They, they divided everybody up into elections and to some other groups where I think it was like maybe deeds and I don't know. There were some other groups, but we had only election administrators. And they came around in groups of five and we had about seven or eight minutes to sort of give our spiel and talk to these people so that we made sure that everybody got around to see us. Um, and then we gave them a card and they tried to have a great poker hand using those cards. So, you know, it was, it was a good um, opportunity for, you know, for us to have sort of the last final word on the last day of the com- on the conference too. So, and to, and to get at everybody, you know, you just don't always have time at the conferences to see all the vendors and to talk to all the vendors. Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was a cool format just like for ice breaking and getting people around the room. And we had sort of a speed dating. They call it speed. Um, like, they didn't call it dating. They call it speed something. But but, you know, where we were able to go in and introduce ourselves around at the beginning of the conference, which was really nice. Chris and I didn't realize we were not supposed to be waiting inside the room. So we were we were missing an action for a few minutes, but they found us and brought us out. It's great to be with our colleagues from Fairvote, Angela Gobble and Josh Daniels, you know, and they were able to talk to or speak to the advocacy side of things. And then they were, you know, the folks were able to come hear from us what that means once it's implemented. So really nice model for us to work from. But that heat, <laughs> that was the hardest part. Um, and we're, we're getting ready to go back to that. We'll tell you a little about that in a minute. So the next trip we took, we actually just got back from Netroots. Chicago was amazing. Another place that this is my first time visiting. And I absolutely fell in love with the city. But Netroots is a really cool conference where a lot of folks come together in that advocacy space, not necessarily in even just elections, but in all kinds of advocacy to, to meet and talk about the issues that are pressing today. Chris, I'll let you tell a little bit about why we particularly were at Network. So we reapplied to this thing called the New Tools Showcase that Netroots does every year. It's one of their sort of big events at the conference every year. What they're doing is they're trying to highlight tools primarily for like activists, people out in the world working on any kind of reform uh, to use to organize their campaigns and organize uh, volunteers and try to affect change in the world. But we applied with RCTAB because it's, one, been used. It sort of has the proof of concept behind it to get used in real world elections and produce ranked choice voting results in real world elections. But we're also at an inflection point with the software. We are at a place where the software development is like pretty good, but we need to figure out how to scale it, how to make it. If ranked choice voting continues to grow, we need to figure out how to get it in more places, understanding the limitations of being an eight-person staff. So we wanted to go there to pitch to this room full of people who have money so that we can get the funding we need to to scale RCTAB up. So we applied and we got accepted, which was super exciting uh, because it's a pretty competitive application process. There were 62 applicants. Only 12 of those got selected to pitch to this room and we were one of those 12. So we put together a pitch and (laughs) I'll say like, I think we both found it sort of hard to get started. We didn't know like how to start figuring out a two and a half minute pitch for this product out. And eventually we had a couple calls and we just sort of kept (laughs) like having false starts. And then finally we realized like, oh, we just need to talk for two and a half minutes and see what comes out of our mouths. And from there, we'll like perfect it and make it better and make it more concrete and make it more tangible for people. And knowing the audiences, like people who are excited about election reform, but don't necessarily understand the problems that RCTAB is solving, just figuring out the right amount of information to give them to be like, here's the problem, here's how we're fixing it, and now please give us money. And that was that was a lot of fun to figure that out and sort of just go back and forth, get that down to two and a half minutes. Yeah, definitely. We spent a lot of time practicing too while we were walking around the city. I'm sure people were like thinking, what are they doing? (laughs) You know, and I will have to say too, you know, we immediately got three monthly donors right after the pitch. And lots of people were very complimentary coming up to us even at the parties that night. That was wonderful. By the way, if you want to be a sustaining donor for RCTAB, feel free to make a monthly donation to let's talk about a major gift. We sure would love to have you involved in that process. And yes, again, I'm on message, Chris. (laughs) Upcoming, what are we doing next? 
A bunch. I'm leaving Wednesday night to go to an election administrator training in Virginia in Richmond. That's all day on Thursday. Then Thursday night, I'm flying out to Austin for NACO, the National Association of Counties, their summer annual conference, meeting up with you and Rosemary there. There's a ranchers footing panel there that I'm going to be on. Rosemary's going to be on that uh, fair vote is moderating. Then after that, we're going to NASA, the National Association of State Election Directors conference in Charleston, South Carolina. And then after that, we're all getting back from travel, but Sam and Ryan are going to the Virginia Registrar's Conference at the very end of July. And then you and I are going to the National Conference of State Legislatures annual summit, which is in Indianapolis in mid-August. And then we're going, (laughs) Ryan and I are going to Orlando for the election center at the end of August. Um, (laughs) I'm going to be tired. (laughs) Wow. That that feels... When you say it like that, it feels like a lot more left. I feel like we've already done a lot of things this summer, but that's okay. We're we're getting out, we're moving around, we're we're traveling. Um, I think you know some of us really like the travel, and and it was you know two and a half years of no travel whatsoever. So we're we're making up for lost time on that for sure. Um, we should add up the number of miles we traveled this year. I think it would be an interesting statistic. Also, you can find us in um, the end of September at the American Democracy Summit in Los Angeles. Um, we're working on a panel for that particular conference. And and there may be some other appearances in other places later in the year. Um, Sometimes we travel on election day and then we started all over again in January, February and, you know, make the rounds again. But it's it's really I think important for us again just to hit the 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 one tone the one note the one thing that is most important is that we're getting out there in front of people so they know that we're available that they have built a relationship with us and we're trusted messengers that's that's the most important part of this if you live or work in any of these places in Indianapolis Orlando Los Angeles I'll be in Cambridge at some point drop a line and love to meet up and hopefully you're at the conferences too yeah for sure so yeah let us know where um, you're gonna be and and we'll we'll have get to see some folks out there, some of our listeners. Occasionally we go to a conference and we have a little fan fanning. We did when we were in Chicago, we had somebody that said, oh my gosh, you're Chris and Kelly from the podcast. So a little shout out to David Green from Rank the Vote. Thank you. We appreciate that. Let us know when you're listening. Um, shoot us a message, shoot us an, you know, an email, come up to us at a conference and, and let us know that you are in, enjoying and listening to RCB clips. Now, you knew we were going to do this one, Chris. We both have to answer it. Describe some conference season in three words or less award miles hopefully i was gonna say really heavy suitcase (laughs) well that yeah that tracks for you sure does track for me nobody else but i'm often carrying stuff for the conference so we'll give it that right yeah whatever um Well, I, th- I think that that gives a pretty solid rundown of, of all our travel and all the places we're going to be or have been this year. Um, so thanks for listening in as we debriefed all the travel we've done so far. Yeah, it's exciting stuff going on. We appreciate listeners for, for joining us. And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, a useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Matthew Bradbury with this month's final round. Did you know that Arlington, Virginia was the first county to use proportional representation in its elections? It was utilized for the first time in June 2023, where 84% of voters ranked a winning candidate first, second, or third, according to Fairvote. This exciting new implementation of ranked choice voting makes it this month's final round. Thank you for joining us today for our July 2023 RCV Clips episode produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. 
You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the show for the latest episodes and updates. And please take a minute to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about RCVRC and Ranked Choice Voting, check out our website at rcvresources.org. The production of this podcast is supported by the generosity of our donors. Donations can be made directly on the website. And please don't hesitate to contact us with any donation questions at donate at rcvresources.org. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rcvresources and on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at rcvrc. Our theme music is Flutterbee by Poddington Bear. Until next time, I'm Chris Hughes. And I'm Kelly Sechrist on behalf of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center.